Hey, beloved Practice Indie listeners, Shan here with my first and probably only ever uh, infomercial before we start our episode. This week, I have a wonderful conversation with two members and really amazing folks in our community, Danny Schaust and Aubrey Kearney, as they have started a secondhand service for clothing called At Thrift Atlas. Well, it's not at, but that's the Instagram handle. Anyway, so super excited about this conversation. But before we dive in, something at the end that you might hear us close off and not um, finish up to the very end is something that Aubrey adds that I think is so important is when we're talking about secondhand, to just remember your privilege. If you're going into spaces where um, if you get to choose whether you buy new or secondhand, someone else may not have that privilege. And so being respectful of those spaces and mindful of things like um, coats and other necessities that you might be able to buy at full price or new that someone else might not. So uh, that's the first thing I, I just want to bring up is to be respectful in those spaces. <clears throat> Second is the environmental impact and the responsibility that we are shouldering. So Danny and I have a previous episode that I encourage you to go listen to on sustainability, but she and I also spoke after this recording and environmentalists, ecologists, they are saying really that we have eight years to make sizable change before we're in um, a real pickle with the environmental crisis. And something to remember is that Mother Earth will be fine. It's not an environmental crisis necessarily that the Earth is going to explode. It's that we humans won't be able to live here. Um, So when you're thinking about making switches like buying secondhand or um, some things we've done in our household. We don't use paper towels anymore. We just use washable, rewashable washcloths, things like that. It's just remembering that while it might feel like your choices won't amount to much, if we all really change our behaviors in a big way, it it will make an impact. Um, Even in the winter, trying to bike when it's a nice day, little things that become habits that also inspire your neighbors and friends to do something different will ultimately make change. Certainly we need major reform and large companies to make big changes, but it also has to start with our consumer behavior and our everyday habits. Last thing, (coughs) excuse me, that I would like to advocate for is just to shop small. Um, You know, if you want to see us or any of the shops that you love after COVID is all over, we need you to support us. We are going to be posting on our social media about a lot of the small businesses that we love here in Indy. Um, But as you are thinking about holiday shopping, consider giving experiences over things, consider re-gifting things or you know, jazzing something up that you already own, um, buying secondhand, you know, anything like that and shopping small, shopping with people that you know, it makes a huge difference. And those of you listening that are members, I want to say thank you so much. We could not stay afloat during these difficult times if it weren't for you. We do have punch cards. If you're looking to do a gift card for someone, we can do a punch card. Uh, We have a virtual foundations coming up in December. That's every Sunday in December. It's $100. It's a small group, virtual atmosphere. So people will really get to learn how to start a yoga practice and maintain it when we are 
restricting our socializing even more. So it'll be a little moment of community in maybe a dark time. So just consider that as we go into this holiday season, how can you shop with a more environmental mindset and how can you shop in a way that supports your local economy so that we all make this through together at the end. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It is absolutely awesome. These two women are changing the world. I thank you so much for listening and here we go. All right, practice and do fam jam. I don't really, I have an attachment to um, podcasts that start the same, but also I don't like <laughs> the exact same. So we're trying new things out. We did that a long time for just the tip Tuesday. And over time, I just lost my zest to change it up. But here we are. We are um, with Aubrey and Danny, Aubrey Kearney and Danny Schelst. And I um, adore both of these humans as a new duo, but also so much as individuals. And some of you listening may know them because they are students at Practice Indie. Uh, Danny has been on the podcast before uh, talking about sustainability and Aubrey recently completed her 200 hour training with us and is an incredible yoga teacher. I know Danny's interested in doing that. So we weave in and out of each other's lives. Um, Aubrey also sent me the sweetest package at the beginning of quarantine that had the best stickers in it. And of course my kids demolished them in five seconds. They are just the best humans. And um, we're going to talk a little bit today about um, probably a lot of things, but mainly in the sustainable fashion and secondhand um, thrifting sort of world. So really quick before I toss it over to you guys and you give a better introduction than that. Um, this week we're talking about Garuda or Garudasana. And I always want to be careful on a yoga podcast of like giving you the gospel of something when like, I don't have a degree in that. I didn't grow up in that space with that symbolism. And um, so what I can say as a white Jewish person who practices yoga about Garuda is that there are a lot of tales and depending on who you ask in the Buddhist side of the world and the Hindu side of the world, in the modern kind of non-theistic yoga side of the world, um, Garuda has a lot of different symbols and meanings. And for this podcast purpose, what we're gonna lean into are the themes of rebirth, ethics, and virtue. So if you come to class this week, you may hear different tellings of the tale of Garuda. Garuda is a, um, an eagle, half eagle, half human, um, but can also be depicted different ways. So some of his, her, they themes, I think it's kind of an androgynous creature, is um, rebirth, ethics, and virtue. And so we're going to talk about the importance of that with secondhand, which coming up into the holidays, I think this is so important. Um, I am working really hard to buy my kids secondhand toys, um, which is presenting itself to be much harder than I thought. So I'm so excited to have you both. I love you both so much. Can you first start uh, just telling a little bit about yourselves and also your new business venture? Sounds good. Um, I can start. My name is Aubrey uh, by day. I am a researcher for the state government and by nights and weekends, I'm an avid thrifter. Um, and I know 
we started this about a month or two ago uh, and Danny and I probably thrifted together for the first time like a little over a year ago. Um, so I'm sure like I, I, I know that we had this conversation the first time we went thrifting where we were just like, oh my God, you get it. You know, <laughs> because it's so hard to find somebody else who is like as into thrifting um, as I am and has like similar skill sets and like tolerance for the experiences I do. Uh, so that was a huge blast and it's been so much fun uh, to be doing Thrift Atlas with Danny. Yeah, and I am Danny Schaust. I am the program manager for a climate fellowship program at Indiana University. So sustainability is my day job and my, really my world, honestly, and like inside and out, both professionally and personally. And I've been thrifting and shopping vintage. God, Aubrey, I know we talked about this recently and I'm trying to do the math again but I honestly think it's been 15 years, which is literally half my life, which is wild to think about. No, cool. <laughs> so yeah, we, like Aubrey said, we both have been into it on our own. We met in grad school, reconnected when we both graduated in Indy and decided to go together. And it was like a, oh my gosh, someone gets it. Somebody knows like how to find the pieces that I'm not attuned to. And it's just been, it's been awesome. So we're super excited to be doing Thrift Atlas. Okay. The cutest thing you just said, uh, well, many things. I didn't know that you all met in grad school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. One of the things that, one of the few good things that came out of grad school experience was rough. <laughs> oh God. Um, and your business is called Thrift Atlas. Yes. Yeah. And okay. I want to back up and ask questions that don't have anything related to this, but do at the same time. So um, Aubrey, and I'm putting you on the spot because I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this. So you can be like, fuck off. And then <laughs> on. you mentioned maybe on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, a maybe you mentioned it to me, um, a research project you're starting on that um, you were super excited about. Would you share about that? Or would you share about things that you're hoping to be researching? Sure, happy to share what I'm researching. Um, I submitted a manuscript to a journal a couple weeks ago. I'm still waiting for feedback on it from reviewers at that journal, um, but I work for the Department of Child Services. So basically the research that I do um, is to improve the way that we serve children and families across the state of Indiana. Um, the project that I am working on is essentially trying to figure out what reports we don't need to go out on because our state has a pretty high screen in rate which means that we investigate most of the reports of maltreatment that we get um, and we know that that's a pretty traumatizing experience for families and so we want to make sure that we are um, only investigating where absolutely necessary so that's the project that um, I just finished up the stage one on and I'm really excited to get more into the weeds of how do we actually improve the way that we are screening these calls, so. It's amazing. And Danny, you lead 
sustainability efforts, which we covered in your podcast episode, but you lead those at IUPUI, correct? Um, technically at IU and all IU campuses. Okay. So I work out of the IUPUI office when it's not COVID times, but I technically work for IU Bloomington. So I, I ask those questions because you're clearly people who care a lot. So I think, um, I think buying secondhand for me first comes at like a frugal, you know, I think most people come to secondhand as like a frugal thing or an environmental thing. I think what cloth diapering, which isn't secondhand can be, but isn't secondhand really taught me is that those worlds merge. Um, and that really things like thrifting can be super intersectional, which both of you, um, occupy a lot of spaces that are intersectional in your lives and in what you advocate for and in your activism. So can you talk about what buying secondhand is in from that um, from that holistic view? I'm sure you will anyway, but like why do it not just because like it's cheaper, but like what are all the things that encompass buying secondhand? Yeah, so I can start. Um, I mean, obviously for me, professionally, it makes a lot of sense for my values. And I know we talk a lot at Practice Indy, and I know we have a lot in the goal setting sessions and workshops that I've attended with Shannon. We talk a lot about claimed values and sustainability and caring for the earth and the people in it is one of my claimed values. And so shopping secondhand is a way that I can do that. It might sound counterintuitive if you don't know a lot about secondhand shopping, but the fast fashion industry is not only bad for the planet, but it's really bad for the workers in it. Mm -hmm. So I don't wanna contribute to that problem if I can help it. Mm -hmm. It's also really fun like once you kind of get a skill set built up for thrifting and buying secondhand, I almost don't enjoy going into regular stores and just like buying a shirt. Because like not only is it more expensive a lot of the time, most of the time, you just, it's, it's the thrill of the hunt. <laughs> I don't know. I, I love that I can find a piece and it's unique and you never know, never know what you're going to find, which can be interesting <laughs> <laughs> yeah I would definitely second a lot of those points Danny just made my dog is growling so I'm really sorry if you can hear that um <laughs> god forbid someone outside should exist um but I mean so buying secondhand first of all encompasses so many things like yes I'm obsessed with thrifting Danny is obsessed with thrifting we love thrifting you can also buy secondhand on Facebook Marketplace, on uh, buying and selling Facebook groups, on Instagram accounts, resale accounts on Facebook and Instagram, um, a resale shop like Plato's Closet or like a resale shop for home goods such as uh, there's a place called Resell Indie on the east side. Um, I love that store. Um, I mean, there, there are a lot of pretty accessible ways to shop secondhand, even if you don't want to get like down and dirty in the, the Goodwill bins or <laughs> anything like that. 
Um, and I think why shopping secondhand is so important is like, I'm looking at this, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of the brand Everlane, but on each of their items, they have like a, a price breakdown of what all goes into the price. Um, and they kind of explain um, their markups and other retailers markups are up to like five to six times the cost to make something. Um, the cost to make something includes, like Danny was talking about, labor. Um, and so the markup that you're paying on things is going like it's going to target it's going to targets owners to their shareholders and that's just not a i don't hold a value of supporting shareholders i i hold a value of supporting people who are creating goods that i'm using right and so um i would totally agree with danny that it really helps me carry out my my values um and really every time you buy something whether you like it or not, you are voting with your dollar. You are voting for that thing to continue to be made. Whether you're at Disney World and you pick up a little fan with a squirt bottle on it, um, or you are at the store buying a bag of apples because you're just doing your weekly groceries, like every single choice that you make as a consumer tells somebody else to keep producing that. And that is incredibly just ignored it's just completely ignored in our society like consumption is just really reckless um in our culture and it's really damaging that's really damaging um it's also like Danny said it's just really fucking fun like you just get to be so creative um when you're shopping for things and yeah it is that thrill of the hunt you're building skills um, it's really engaging, you know, you're not just like walking into a store and basically being told what to buy. Like Target is like telling you what to buy, right? It's, it, you have a lot more agency and a lot more creativity, uh, involved. And I would also just say, you know, when you buy something from Target, Target gets that money or Amazon, Amazon gets that money. Um, there are a lot of thrift stores that are specifically funding charities mm -hmm. um, or they're employing people who otherwise may not uh, be able to find gainful employment. So uh, Goodwill, I will always shop at Goodwill. Um, I used to be a vocational rehab um, specialist in Tennessee and several of my clients worked at Goodwill or we would use their vocational rehab programming um to help people get jobs um they just have incredible programming and i will always shop there because of that oh i overdone so many things my little heart was just a fluttering uh, um i think the rebirth the ethics the virtue obviously you both hit on the values it's so critical to why shopping secondhand in addition to it is cheaper you save literally thousands of dollars by shopping secondhand. Mm -hmm. um, I pulled up this statistic, fashion produces up to 10% of humanity's carbon emissions, dries up water sources and pollutes rivers and streams. If you haven't seen the documentary, The True Cost, I'm speaking to those of you listening, um, absolutely go watch it. It will blow your mind and ruin your day in the best way. 
uh, just to understand kind of to your point, Danny, what it does to the people. I think we often, often associated with the environmental impacts, which are so critical, but we don't realize that there's somebody in Bangladesh who's being paid less than, I mean, just squalor, like nothing comparable. They're not being paid really. They're being paid to do slave labor essentially. And, um, and then on top of that, what's happening to their environment, not even to our own environment. So we're kind of tuning them into their own circumstance. And it's just such a vicious cycle. Um, I loved what you both brought up too about, you sort of hinted at mindset. Like you don't, Aubrey, you were saying like going to Target, like they're telling you what to buy versus going to a thrift shop or to a secondhand store, like you have to put your creativity to it, which is fun. Mm -hmm. um, and so also a question I didn't ask you all, but I, but I would love to open this up is like, what mindsets did you have to shift for yourself? Or what do you find yourself saying to others who are objecting? And I'll uh, say like one thing I picked up on and definitely have thought myself in the past is like, it's dirty. Mm. I think people get this idea that like shopping secondhand means you're taking dirty goods. Mm. So what would be some mindset shifts you've had, or you've sort of coached other people to change in order to adopt this lifestyle? That's tough. Yeah. I, I guess one that comes to mind for me Huh. I, I got really very committed to thrifting in college, partially because I frankly was a broke college kid <laughs> and didn't yeah. have money, but I realized that, you know, you can go to Charlotte Russe and Forever 21 and H&M and like, that's all fine and good and wear the cute like party top. But I saw so many people doing that and I saw that those things were being worn maybe once and then discarded. And I realized that a lot of those things, when I did participate in the fast fashion, I'm not saying I've never done it. Like we all have, I think it's impossible not to. But when I participated in it, I realized that the goods I was getting were not always well-made, that I was spending more and then I ended up not even necessarily liking the thing that I got, where if I went thrifting, you know, I went to even just went to Plato's closet and looked around and saw what they had or Goodwill across the street in, when thinking in Bloomington here, I would find things that even if I wore them once, I could redonate them to Goodwill. I was spending less. And a lot of times they were better better made, or I ended up liking them more because they were a little more unique. Mm -hmm. And I just was finding things that fit my body and my style. And I was figuring that out for myself, exactly like Aubrey was saying, not just letting the store sell it to me and giving into that pressure of a shirt that doesn't flatter my body type or that I didn't feel comfortable in, but I felt this peer pressure to wear. Mm -hmm. So I, it's, for me, it's telling people you can set your style and you can also find pieces that just work better for you that might actually cost less. Yeah. I would say this is an interesting 
question because I, my grandmother started taking me thrifting like when I could walk. Like, I, so it is, there are certainly like stages of learning that I went through in terms of consumption. Um, and I definitely did participate in fast fashion when I was like in high school and stuff. Um, just because it would be like, oh, we're just gonna go to, tar like what you just go to Target with your friends or whatever. Um, but the, so there really, there have been shifts that were required for me to make to truly take advantage of what thrifting had to offer for me in my life. And there were also shifts that took place because I was thrifting. So an example of some of the shifts that I had to make uh, to accommodate thrifting, I would say one, um, you don't need most things immediately. Like there are very few things in this world that you need right this second. And Danny is snapping. <laughs> yeah, because, and, and thrifting will reward you for waiting every time. I cannot tell you how many times I've been like, you know what, I want overalls, but I'm not going to pay $50 to Gap for some overalls because I know that eventually I'll see them in a thrift store. And like two weeks later, boom, I do. Like that, that is, um, it, that's a really cool aspect of thrifting. Um, but it also just taught me a lot more about what I need and what I don't. Because honestly, I don't need overalls. I don't. I didn't need them. And if I didn't find them, I wouldn't have them. And that's okay too. Um, I think people get really caught up in like, they want something, they just buy it. They don't e really even think about the purchase. They don't think about the consequences. Um, and one of the things that has really benefited me from like just thrift life is like this concept. I feel like Marie Kondo's show kind of, uh, helped spread this, but like a genuine sense of respect for things, not the things themselves, but um, the context of the things, how they were created, uh, who created them, um, what, what role do they have in your life, um, are they serving you, um, and just kind of having like a, a deeper connection with the belongings that you do have and recognizing that you do not need every item that exists or even every item that you think you might want. Um, and then I think the other mental shift that came after I started thrifting that was really, really important and kind of feeds into my continued uh, engagement with secondhand shopping is body positivity. Um, you will find things that fit you so much better than anything you could find at H&M, at Target, at Walmart, because your body was an ideal body at some point in the last century because beauty standards keep changing, like the styles of our clothes keep changing. And you don't know how incredible it is to walk into a store and find something that just fits you so perfectly and you look and it's like this was made in the 1970s like this is so crazy um and it's also a size 12 and 
I don't consider myself to be a size 12, but you know what? I don't give a shit. Um, and that's because I'm thrifting and things that are size 12 fit me sometimes, <laughs> you know, and it makes it a lot easier to not care about that number because the sizing throughout the last century of women's clothing has been so loosey goosey. Um, and there are no regulations about sizing in the United States, which Dana can tell you more about, but, um, yeah, so those are some of the some of the mental shifts before and after thrifting, I would say. So forking good. Um, two things that I heard. One was talking about instant gratification, Aubrey, which I think is 100% speaking to sort of both of you said like you grew up doing this either with your grandmother or in college. And I actually did thrift a lot in high school, but I did it more as like a theater kid who was putting on costumes. Like I wasn't, I mean, some of my t-shirts I did buy and I still wear and I'm obsessed with. Um, I actually have one t-shirt that now I only wear once a month because it's getting so fragile and I love it so much. <laughs> I, I save it. <laughs> um, but great. <laughs> I'll have to show y'all sometime. It's yellow. It's amazing. I bought it in a New York, a Manhattan um, thrift shop that was insane. Um, but I do feel like I have been caught in the trap for many years of instant gratification. And I will just say one of the books that has hands down changed my life is Affluenza, which uh, talks about the science of basically the consumer machine and how we have be we've been duped into instant gratification. And it's honestly why we started Practice Indie. This, the consumer machine essentially is trying to tell you all the time, you are not enough unless you buy this. And then if you buy this, you'll be enough. Or if you weigh this much and can fit into this standardized size, then you'll be enough or whatever. And that instant gratification shift is so huge. And the other thing, tying back to um, you both have done this with either friends or in your youth is as a parent, I think for me, it is very um, intimidating to do secondhand shopping with my kids. I'm saying that from the most white privileged place because I don't have to, it's not my necessity. Um, well, it probably actually is. I just am ignoring my credit score. Um, but <laughs> it is, you know, it's not something that I have to do out of out of survival and so it feels shameful and I think what I'm hearing and what I'm processing is like moms like myself have to make it a normalized thing early for our kids that we go to these stores and maybe your friends don't go to or whatever to start to make it just a thing that you do instead of it being this like shameful weird thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and Aubrey and I can tell you that the amount of kids and child like baby clothes that we see in a literally perfect condition at Goodwill is astonishing. You could buy an entire infant wardrobe for probably less than a hundred dollars. Mm. Oh, easily. Literally, like easily. Mm -hmm. It's just shocking to me. I, I see things from like Carter's in there with like tags on it. Mm -hmm. Good kids toys and puzzles and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. Can I just share like the one item that I found recently at Goodwill or no, actually I think it was at Salvation 
army maybe i found it somewhere recently and i've been looking for it forever speaking of the hunt i found a white pussy bow blouse and i've been looking for one probably for four years and i am obsessed okay explain what i know i'm i wear sweats for a living what is that explain that so you know the like very silky looking long sleeve blouses they're usually white and they've got a literal like bow that you can tie yes yes that's a pussy bow blouse it's very very big and like suffragette and it's always a nod to like suffragettes and i've noticed a lot of powerful political women wearing them in the past like four or so years and i finally found one and Ah! so happy oh Oh my gosh. gosh so fun Okay, wait. Now I want to sh- I want to share my big find that I made <laughs> because I was I had no lie I had been looking for a butter crock for like a year and I finally saw one and oh my god like I'm so excited. Um, my partner is obsessed with the butter crock now. We have you know spreadable butter at any time. <laughs> Is this like you churn your own butter? What explain oh, the butter rock? No. Okay. So the uh, we actually have a video explaining it on our Instagram page. Okay. Um, but basically, it's a it's a ceramic double dish, and the lid when it comes off, you put butter in the top of the lid. Um, you put water in the bottom, and then when you put the lid back into um, the rest of the piece into the bottom, um, that water seals the butter so that it stays, it stays fresh, um, but it is lukewarm. So you can spread it immediately. Like you don't have to soften it or anything. And it stays in the fridge like that. No, it stays on your counter. Like that, that is amazing. That is so cool. Yeah. Oh my God. Now I want to find one. I want to find both of those things. Uh. Oh man! Um, so, I don't need either, but love. I just looked up to show you a picture of the pussy bow blouse, and I'm not even going to show you the picture because I just want you to Google it. But the first link that I picked up was from Saks Fifth Avenue, and a brand new pussy bow blouse is literally up to four hundred dollars if you buy it from somewhere. Oh like, God! Like yeah. what in the world? I do not have four hundred dollars for a shirt. No. No, I have $400 for very few things, actually. Same. <laughs> Definitely things I don't have $400 for. Um, okay, so that brings to mind for me, and maybe um, we can transition into advice or suggestions and then sharing more about you guys and what you're doing. What are some of your favorite secondhand shops or any advice for where to start looking or shopping? Um, go. Yeah. Um, I love Mission 27 on Shelby Street and Leota. Um, I prefer the Shelby Street location, but that's just a personal preference. Love Goodwill. Um, Goodwill Fountain Square is a fantastic one. Um, actually don't go there because we go there and and we want there to still be stuff there. I'm just kidding. Um, Uh, I re- I mentioned Resale Indie earlier. I think they have great home goods. It's a very small store, but um, they have great stuff. Danny, what else? Yeah, I'd say I would add a couple things to that list for people trying to get into it. So when I was getting into it, I was still kind of intimidated by Goodwill. 
Mm -hmm. um, and that whole hunt. So I would always recommend looking at like Plato's closet. And they also have like the adult woman's version of that, which is called style encore. They also have a child's version of that. I can't think of the name of it right now. And then there's a one as well called music go round. That's for used music equipment. So I think that's the one thing I want to add is like, I know we've been focusing on fashion and home goods, but you can also find a lot of other things secondhand, like music equipment. And frankly, I know most musicians end up buying gear from each other. So a lot of people already buy secondhand and they don't even realize they're doing it necessarily. I would, I think the child's one is called like once upon a child or Thank something. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I was like, you're going to say it. I'm going to like. <laughs> and then I know that Goodwill actually has, what is it called? There's one in Fountain Square, um, but mm. it's basically like a Plato's closet, but it's Goodwill's. Yeah, they've closed that one, but they're called Vintage Vogue. Yes, mm -hmm. Yeah. I think too, whenever I hear some of these shops, because um, once upon a child, I'm doing my holiday shopping for my kids there. Um, but I think Another thing that <clears throat> I think I personally have had to get over and I hope people can work on is like the immediacy of these big retailers, whatever you're buying, so true Danny about it's not just clothing, is that like they will put up pretty pictures of exactly what they have and like, um, you know, like the ability to buy them and click online and that like illusion of beauty that's basically been made and marketed to you you're not going to get that like you have to go to the store and you have to mm -hmm. physically experience it which i think might be a little intimidating during covid um but i also think <clears throat> non-covid time is going to be the majority of our lives and hard to believe in this moment but <laughs> yeah. um but i think like getting over like having to see it before you buy it kind of a thing because that that is something I've had to move past is like I'm going to show up and I might get a surprise or I might see exactly what I'm searching for but to your point earlier Aubrey it's like you don't need any of this like mm -hmm. need like really evaluating the need versus like being open to what might work or or whatever um, any tips on mending updating and I'd love for you guys to share a little bit more about Thrift Atlas, how we can find you and how we can support you. Yeah, I think Aubrey, you'll have a lot more suggestions on this, but I've shared just a really a couple basic um, mending suggestions. So I think it's really important for any adult human in the world to know how to do some really basic sewing things, even if you don't get super into secondhand. And what I mean by basic sewing and mending is like learning how to sew a button Mm -hmm. on or back on and sewing learning how to sew uh like those eye loop hooks mm -hmm. that some clothes come with Aubrey actually showed me how to do that recently but doing some of those really basic things like learning how to do a button actually having needle and thread and different colors of thread mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many things I've bought that had like a half the button was already half off falling off of the garment and I went ahead and bought it anyway, knowing that I could fix it. Because mm. I think that that's a barrier for some people, but if you know how to do sewing a button, there's probably a billion YouTube videos out there. It's kind of satisfying too, to know like, I did that, I fixed that. Mm -hmm. I think another thing 
that I would suggest is investing in what's called a sweater stone. So if you have sweaters or cardigans or even sweatshirts, sometimes even pants, I've noticed do this, they get these little buildup of these little, they're called pills, but little balls basically on the fabric where it's kind of built up. It looks like it's been worn down. It's been washed a lot. If you take a sweater stone, which is basically almost like a pumice stone that you would use on your, like your elbows or your feet, you basically take this sweater stone, rub it on that section of that cloth of that piece of clothing, and it will come off. You can shave it as well with like a cheap disposable razor, but I don't love suggesting people go buy disposable razors. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd say those are kind of my two things. It's like basic sewing and a sweater stone. I'm so glad I got a sweater stone. It has upped my thrifting game. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I would just add um, one, when something in your own closet gets stained or messed up, take the time to fix it. Take the time to try and get the stain out. Take the time to sew the hole shut and be okay with the fact that you have a visible, like even like a slightly visible mend on your clothing. Like I think people just get to this place where there, if there's a hole, they're just throwing it away. Can you cut off the bottom of the shirt and make it a crop top? Can you cut off the sleeves? Like I have made so many crop tops, so many cut off jeans. Um, I've cut off the sleeves of so many of my shirts. I've turned so many t-shirts into grocery bags, um, made a t-shirt quilt. Like there, there's really no reason to just get rid of something uh, just because it's damaged. And I think we need to really understand our responsibility to the items that we possess. Um, it's not, you know, just because there's a flaw doesn't mean that it's not still functional and usable. Um, and I think also in terms of when you're thrifting, just thinking creatively about if you can do anything to the item that you're considering purchasing, um, like looking at items, not just for how they're presenting, but for the potential inside of them. And what I mean by that really is like, if you're looking at an item and you're like, wow, I love this fabric, but like, I don't know about the shape of this shirt. Um, like take it home and re rework it, you know, I mean, maybe that's not in your skill set, but if you're going to pay $4 for a shirt, like give it a go, like try something new. Um, it's so easy to take in dresses, skirts, pants, jeans, shirts, you can take in things so, so easily. So I wish that that would not, um, be a barrier for so many people. I think you do need a sewing machine for that. Um, but you know what, if you don't have one, wouldn't you rather pay $15 to a tailor, like a local tailor, mm -hmm. than to spend more money for a brand new version of what you actually have your hands on right now in the thrift store? Like I, I would. Yeah, I feel like growing up in theater, what somebody can do with a needle and thread is mm -hmm. astonishing. And, and if you have ever, if you ever like go, wedding dress shopping they always put you in a dress that's like 12 sizes more bigger than you and then they can always I mean without fail 
take that fucker in, hammer up, mm-hmm. the sleeves. I mean, it's literally just like a, a suggestion when you buy a wedding dress because what you get at the end is never the same thing. And that to me was like, holy shit, what people, what you can do with a little imagination and a needle and thread is endless. Um, but, you know, going back to the instant gratification, I think people, I, I don't know how to sew. Heather Gibbons, who owns Crimson Tate, will tell you I'm the worst sewer she's ever met. Um, and I'm like an abomination to sewing, but I'm still <laughs> committed to learning. And um, all three of us are like uber nerdy gardeners. I've learned how to use saws this year and how to use a, a drill and things that I would have never imagined because I'm just, I'm curious enough to try. So I think mm-hmm. if people are curious enough to try, you can, you can figure shit out. Mm-hmm. So tell us about Thrift Atlas and how we can support y'all. Yeah. So we're just on Instagram. Um, it's just at thrift.atlas and yeah, I mean, give us a follow, give us a share, um, buy some of our stuff. We are posting something new every Sunday and Thursday. Um, every Monday we have make an offer Mondays. So anything that's been on the page for over a week, um, is available for an offer. Um, so just like literally whatever you think, whatever it's worth to you, ask us. And the worst we can say is a counter offer. So, um, yeah. What else? What else? What else? Danny? Yeah. Um, I'd say go same things, go follow. Um, I want to add to that right now, the majority of the items that we have are from our literal own closets because we have a thrifting problem. <laughs> and uh, we also love to purge and Marie Kondo the shit out of our houses. So we currently primarily have clothing in our sizes. Mm-hmm. However, we are working on getting more inclusive sizes mm-hmm. and more inclusive styles of clothing that are not so female or like woman gendered, I guess. Mm -hmm. So right now it's very focused on what we have in our literal closets, but it will not (laughs) always be that way. Well, I cannot thank you enough. Both of you as humans have um, opened my eyes to so many things outside of this topic and, um, and this as well has become something I'm I'm interested in, and because you guys are interested in it, I've been even more interested in it. So thank you for being models of your values and your virtue. Um, thank you for giving new life to old things. I think I think yoga is a lot like that. You know, there's certainly criticisms of the yoga practice and appropriation and all the things, but I, I do appreciate those who come to it with a, a pure heart, air quotes around pure heart, to continue to revitalize a practice that could otherwise, you know, fall into antiquity. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I appreciate that spirit in many ways and certainly in this with you guys. And I just thank you so much for your time today and for what you're doing. And thanks for sharing. Thank you for having us. I do, I'm so, I, before we go though, that literally just sparked a thought in my head that I think is really important because there is a wrong way to thrift um (laughs) there is Uh, danny's laughing but i i don't want people to think that you can just walk into any old thrift store and buy any old thing 
um, and that also be ethical. So if you are really interested in getting involved thrifting, one, please research the stores that you're shopping at. You wanna understand, especially if there's a mission involved, um, like what, what charity is actually being supported um, by what by your shopping um, because you may not always agree with the the mission of the uh, charity that's supported. I have found that to be true sometimes at least. And then I also just want to point out that there are people who rely on thrift stores for their necessities. And so one thing I want to discourage people from purchasing from thrift stores are things like work boots, mm -hmm. um, things like like basic like work clothes um, and outerwear. So good, such a good point. And yeah, thank you. Sorry, that's all. I just, 